There's such an exciting season coming along. And there's such a, I feel in my spirit, there's such a breakthrough. That was, somebody should have got a little bit more excited. There's such a breakthrough coming for some of y'all. If you would just stay the course. Okay, that was a, I put the mic down to give you a chance to, somebody get your praise on that God just gave you a word. And that was, sounded general, but it was very specific to you that, that you've been waiting on God. And God said that in the next few weeks, in the next, literally, in the next few weeks, if you would just stay the course. When we get into fasting, when we get into our worship services, and, and on the Wednesday night, starting on the 8th, and then the 15th, and the 22nd, when we have our worship and intercession nights, we're having nights of healing, nights of deliverance. We're going to have these worship nights. And I'm believing that at the end of this 21-day fast, that you will not come out the same. I got Josh. Amen, Josh. You don't want to, that was just you who said amen. That you don't come out the same and that you realize that this year I'm going to stand strong in Jesus. That this year I'm not going to be to and fro. And this year I'm not going to be like a tree caught in the, in the wind bending and, and, and breaking because I can't make it this year. Man, the next series we're doing is standing strong all year long. We got me and Minister Melvin going to bring the word in, standing strong all, all year long. No more of that to and fro and back and forth, none of that stuff, amen? We got our season of first fruits. I was supposed to preach about the, the first fruits offering last week, but I'm going to do it next week, amen? No amens on that one, but that's all right. We're going to preach on the first fruits next week, which I'm really excited about. And I'm not the kind of person who's big on holiday preachings, and the reason I say that is only because of, of the way the world looks at our holidays. The way the world looks at Christmas, the way the world looks at Easter, and what they've turned it into is a joke. But today I want to preach to you on, on the birth of Jesus Christ, still on the topic. And today my sermon title is, is, and I want you to sow this into your hearts, it's really simple. God the Giver. I want you to leave today looking over your life and saying, it wasn't me, it was God the giver. Amen. So will you turn with me in your Bibles? And I'm in the book of Luke, and I'm going to start in the second chapter, and, and I want you just to be able to, to meet me there at verse 1, and I'm going to read this what I got to read, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit just take control. Amen. I got notes, but I probably might not use them today because I have this message in my heart. It's one of those things where you have it so deep in your heart, you might not need to look at stuff. Amen. When you got it, somebody say, Amen. If you ain't got your Bible sitting next to a Christian, they're all over the place supposedly. And so, uh, <laughs> amen. Amen. All right, I'm reading this scripture right now. Ready or not, here I come. Remember that when you were kids? Ready or not, here I come. No, just me? All right. Nobody play hide and seek? I play hide and seek all the time because we never had electricity. That's a Bridgeport joke, amen? All right. <laughs> what a spirit of worship today, Amen. What an amazing, the Lord woke me up at 6 o'clock this morning, a little actually before 6, just to begin to pray for the service and pray for the people who would be here. And it was one of those arguments I had with God this morning. And the devil woke me up too because I woke up throwing up. And then the Lord said, no, you got to pray. You got to get this out of your spirit. And I began to pray and I just believe that it's a very simple message I have to you. It's not eloquent words, but I believe God has something spectacular for you today. Amen. The birth of Jesus as described by Luke verse 1 in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world 
And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the lineage of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and he was expecting a child. I like the way the Bible says he was expecting a child. He wasn't expecting his child. He was expecting a child. You with me today? I think maybe sometimes God wants you to expect for other people. Maybe God wants you to push past your own needs and desires and just expect for somebody else. You know, I don't need to get blessed this month. Lord, if you could just bless Pastor Carmen, Lord, I'm expecting for her. And I'm going to go into this place of prayer with her because you're doing something through her. And I'm expecting you to birth something through her. Are you with me today? Did you wake up this morning? Amen. You know, I did this thing this morning with the whole setup team. You could ask all of them. And I came in here like a ball of fire. And I just high five everyone. High energy. High energy in the building. Come on, high energy. I said, could you do me a favor? Look to your neighbor and just high five them and say, high energy. We need high energy in the place today. Come on, high energy. Come on, amen. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. She placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Come on, let's bow our heads right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you with our hearts just laid low before you, God, and desiring to really hear from you and to really receive from you today your word. To receive from you, God, all that you have for us today. Lord, I, I, I pray right now over every person that they would not leave without what you've predestined them to gain today. Lord, I pray that every person would speak over themselves right now and say, Lord, let me not miss my time of appointment. Let me not miss my moment of receiving the word. Lord, I pray we're not distracted by our cell phones, by devices, that you would still our hearts and our minds to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody say amen. Put your hands together for AJ as he tries to sneak away. <clears throat> We've been on this topic of, of just God giving and the card of giving and, and things of that nature. And as I, I got before the Lord, this whole series on giving is based on the principle and the fact that God is the greatest giver. I heard a saying when I was younger, and it, it says, you can't outgive God. And when we think about that, we get excited because our, our mind goes to money when we think of giving, but I'm talking greater than just money, amen? We pick up this birth of Jesus in this time where Moses, or rather Moses, huh, Joseph and, and Mary having to go to a different journey, to a different place to, to be a part of a census. And a census back then is what it was today. It's to count the number of people within the nation, within the empire. 
They were trying to, to gauge the strength of their empire. And the Bible says that, that Mary and that Joseph, they journeyed. And you have to understand that in this phase of Mary's life, Mary is but a teenager. Mary's just a teenager in this time in her life. Joseph is probably in his early 20s, maybe mid-20s at best. We don't really know, but we know that Mary was in her teens because that was the years of betrothal, meaning to give into marriage, to, to give into the, into the engagement process. And Joseph has been confronted with these set of circumstances that this woman of his comes up to him and says, oh, by the way, Joseph, the Spirit of God came upon me and I'm with child. Have you ever been to a place in your life with that with what God gives somebody around you really hurts you? And Joseph found himself in a place in his life where what God had given his wife to be was devastating. That what God had given his wife to be was troublesome. Sometimes God will give you trouble. Sometimes the things that God births to your life start off as problems but end up as miracles. I wish I had a witness in the place today that understood the goodness and greatness of God. I would hop all around this place, but I threw up this morning. I ain't feeling too well. But I know that God wants to speak over your life today something amazing and something very simplistic about it. Sometimes preachers spend too much time trying to go so deep. I think that if you could just stay a course and read what the Bible says, that's the most powerful thing is just what it says. And the time came for this child to be born. And Mary, this young teen girl, was in a tough position. She was in a place in her life where God's plan had gotten her into a mess, where God's plan had gotten her ridiculed. I guarantee you God's plan had gotten her talked about and gossiped about. And God's plan, the, God, the thing that God had given her, just because people are bad-mouthing you or talking about you, or just because your life is difficult, or just because the place God has you is hard, doesn't mean it's not God. Just because the place in your life you're in causes you to have to work doesn't mean it's not God. The first thing God gave Adam was a job. Just because God has put you in a place where it causes you to have to excel and to step above and to strive further and to do more and to go into uncharted waters like the song just we sang. Let Lord Spirit lead me where my strength has no borders. My trust and my faith are just like Lord take me deeper than I would be able to go myself. That's the empowering grace of God. The ability to take you to a place you couldn't take yourself. The grace of God is not just forgiveness of sins. It is the power of God. Bible clearly tells us that Mary understood it was God's plan, but it didn't make it any easier. As a pastor, I've understood it's God's plan. It doesn't make it easier. I want to speak to you this year who have gone through hell and high waters and you're walking in God's plan, but it hasn't got easier. Amen. Somebody honest back there who says, Pastor, my life is not all together. Just because my outfit looked good, it doesn't mean that I have it all put together. And I imagine Mary, and I imagine the difficulties of Joseph because I'm kind of, I, my, my wife's not carrying Jesus, but it's pretty close. And, and I didn't tell you about this part of my sermon, honey, and I'm so sorry. Usually I warn you, but 
I could understand what, and all the husband's going to be like, amen, and the baby daddy's going to be like, amen, and the baby daddy drama going to be like, amen. All the, this, this craving she must have had. Like, and I wonder what her cravings were back then. I want giraffe neck. Like, what did they eat back then that you would crave? You never thought about that. What kind of cravings did Mary have? Oh, I would love some, I would love some goat throat. I just, honey, I would just love. But on the serious side is this, is that her body was enduring changes. I laugh. All you people who have given birth, you know what I'm talking about, is women do everything to try to stop the inevitable stretch marks. They buy every cream. And some of y'all don't get them and you're highly favored. Like, you are blessed and highly favored if you don't get those. Every morning, just, and the reason I'm saying that is because her body was going through changes that would change her for life. Because once God births something through you, it should cause a change for life. And if your salvation in God continues to go back and forth, something hasn't birthed. You've gone to the cross, but not through the cross. And Mary was enduring changes in her body, and Joseph was enduring changes in her attitude. Honey, you don't have attitude. You're more than enough for me, girl, and I just, I thank God. I, I told Pastor John Moratori, my leader, I said yesterday, he said, how's the wife doing? I said, she's doing great. She said, he said, how's the pregnancy? I said, she's kind of balanced out. This is great. But I, I see the mornings where she's running to the porcelain throne, and she's just throwing up stuff that's not there. The morning sickness. My wife is considered by doctors, not by me, considered high risk because of her history of blood clots. And so every day I have to inject her twice with medication to thin her blood out. And, and she's gone through countless doctor's appointments. And our first week of finding out we were pregnant, we had something like five appointments in three days. And, and we have nine doctors monitoring her and four at her, at her OB. And all these things we have to endure on top of planning, on top of everything else, the health risk. Doctor said to me, the highest... Uh, death rate for women your wife's age is pregnancy and, and blood clots and I almost punched him in the face. What are you trying to say? I said that to say this is that I could imagine what I'm going through because what I've done to my wife, if you know what I'm saying, I'll keep it there. But can you imagine what Joseph's going through because of what God did? Just let that sink in because Joseph was going through hell and high water. And the Bible says that Mary was convinced and the angel of the Lord had to come tell Joseph. She was carrying this miracle in her womb, but yet she was in displeasure. And I want to speak to every single person today who God is trying to birth a miracle through you. But you're in a time of displeasure and discomfort. Can I tell you that in a due season... You will reap a harvest if you faint not. And the Bible says that the day finally came. And I, I could imagine the child that God gave her jumping in her, and he had already turned, and he, whatever they call that, he was, I don't know, whatever they call those things, and he had breached, and he had this, all these terms. I, they're like, he breached what? Jonathan called me, she's breached. What does that mean? I just, and so she's going through all these troubles. In, 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 our, in our humanity, we would say to ourselves, well, 
God's baby, God will provide everything. God will take care of this. God will take care of that. And God will provide everything that they would need. Amen? God provided seemingly nothing. Luke says there was no room for them in the end. One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible in my eyes. There was no room for him. There was no room for Jesus. I preached that last year. Do you have room for Jesus? Jesus Jesus was never under the tree. He was on the tree. Do you have room for Jesus? You could decorate your tree, but his tree was bloody, battered, broken. It was full of stuff. It had lashes on it, nails into it. Your tree is pretty with lights and all these things, but that's not the real light of the world. Jesus, this miracle of God, was born. And he was destined to be born. And, and, and now Joseph would see this is God. So now Joseph would have this realization and everybody would know it was God. And, and, and Jesus is born in a time where it's not good to have a kid out of wedlock. She was pregnant before she got married. I like when couples tell me I was, uh, well, I got married and three months later had a miracle baby. <laughs> That's not a miracle baby. You were pregnant before you got married, honey. And this is the predicament that Josh, or rather Joseph, is in. And it amazes me that God was giving his firstborn son. And as I'll show you later, it was God in the flesh. It was not just a baby. It was God in the flesh being birthed from a woman. And the first thing he felt with the rough hands of a carpenter. Calloused hands of Joseph. Jesus was born in what most theologians believe to either be a cave or a barn or a cave that was a barn. And Jesus was placed in a manger. And, and to us nowadays, a manger to some of us is what Jesus was born in. But a manger is what they feed cows and animals from. It's where they would have put the pig slop at. It's where they would have put the hay with all the dirt and, and Jesus. And I'm sure that Joseph cleaned it out to the best of his ability. But what I'm trying to illustrate to you is when God came, he did not come with shining lights. He did not come with regal robes. He did not come with majesty. He did not come in a majestic fashion. He did not come with great pomp. He did not come with elegant gear. He did not come into a palace. He did not come with golden linens and gold cups all around him. He did not come like that. There was a miracle in a manger and there was a mess all around him. That's how Jesus came. Jesus, the son of God, he literally, God in the flesh, was born in this lowly manger. There was no pomp. There was no circus. There was no great announcement save a few angels a chapter later who would come and speak to shepherds. There was no ambassadors. There was none who would come and say, this is a great and mighty king, except for some angels. And they went to who? Shepherds. Did you ever wonder? I prayed about this all week long. God, there was no red carpet. There was no room for him. Nobody probably greeted him. It, 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 when I thought about it, it hurt my heart to know the first things that Jesus, God in the flesh, he smelled were undoubtedly manure. And, and fecal matter of animals and urine. All the things that he smelled first. 
while being held by calloused hands and then being placed into the, probably the hands of Mary. These teenage, inexperienced hands. Have you ever thought about the birth of Jesus? To the degree where it made you so overwhelmed with gratitude that God would give such a precious gift. Jesus comes, there's no curtains, there's no decorations, but there was a king. There was what I prayed about all week long. There was holiness in the flesh. There was destiny in the dirt. There was majesty in the manger, but there was a miracle in the mess. Have you ever wondered why God came to the lowest of lowest places in order to come into earth? He could have he gone and taken Herod's palace by eminent domain if he desired. But he took a cave on the backside of a trail. And why? I prayed about it all week long. Lord, why? He said, Lewis, there's no amount of mess that I won't go through to get you. There's no amount of things he's not willing to endure to get you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's God the giver. I said, Father, why was your son born to such horrible conditions, so uncleanly a place, not fit for a king, let alone the son of a God king? When God <coughs> gave Jesus, God placed him into this lowly place. And when I read the scripture, I grow excited with the realization that there's no place he will not go in order to redeem his loved ones. I'm filled with joy and great expectation knowing that if he would go to that place for me and I'm not nowhere near in that much of a mess, maybe you are, but he would come and find me no matter where I am at in my life. That's God. He's king in the high places and he's God in the low places. He's God on top and he's God on the bottom. He's God all over humanity. He was God on the throne and he was God in the manger. Angel sang his praises while he was on the throne and angels sang his praises while he was in the manger. Heaven stood in eager expectation while he was on the throne and also while he was in this manger. God sent Jesus this miracle in the mess and he came to the from the highest place to literally one of the lowest places in order that we should be redeemed he's an unstoppable god uh, no don't, you don't understand that he's an unstoppable god no greater force exists nothing above him is in existence of all creation he is unstoppable and his love for you is relentless to the place and point where he would put himself in a manger there was a miracle in the mess and i want to tell you today if your life is a mess today there is a miracle in you that you could release but it comes with work Every gift has to be unwrapped. 
And if you don't unpack the word of God, you don't unpack Jesus and you don't unwrap Jesus and you just want Jesus to come and you just want to hold this gift and, oh, I got a gift, I got a gift, I got a gift, oh, I got a gift, oh, I got a gift, but you don't know how to use your gift. You don't know how to activate your gift. He's God the giver because he gives gifts, but you have to, could you imagine could you imagine last year I bought my wife a couple of gifts? I have a video that I can't apparently show anyone. I got this video where I, I had this idea. What I did was I took my, my wife's old boots and I wrapped them up. And I took the shirt she had worn to the gym that morning that was mine and I wrapped it up. And then I had her real gift and I wrapped that up. And I gave her the first box, and I'm video cameraing her, and I have, you know, some, you know, uh, Michael Bublé, whatever his, that guy's name, and Chris Music playing in the background. It's all the great videos. Great. I wish you could see it. But apparently it doesn't exist. And, and she opens the first one, and she's like, oh, my God, it's both us. And she opens it up. She's like, this looks like my old box. I've watched this thing a hundred times. I know it verbatim. This is my old, these are my and she is dying hysterically. You gave me back my own gift. These are mine. But I said, honey, you haven't worn them for almost six months. It almost makes them new. And so, and so that by this point, I'm not making this up. I say, all right, I'll give you the next present. And, and I give her the next present. And, and, and I give her the, And she goes, what is this, a shirt I own? Which she was kind of right, kind of wrong, because it was a shirt that I owned that she always used that I was giving to her. But it still had gym sweat on it and stuff. And she opens it up, and she is cracking up. And she is dying laughing. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is a shirt I own. You're so stupid, Lewis. Oh, my God. I'm like, you want to open one more? No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Open one more. And she shakes it, and she goes, what is this, my Kindle Fire? Now, that would have been hilarious because it was an iPad mini. I bought her a 64-gig iPad mini, and, and she opened it up, and she's like, ah! Like, all of a sudden, it was forget Botas. It was forget my own shirt. But then what happened is she not only unpacked the gift, she charged the gift. She turned it on. She punched in her Apple iTunes ID number. She began to make purchases. She began to take her music and put it on it, and she began to use it as a reading device, as a device for pleasure, for entertainment, for games, for maybe watching a show if she didn't want to watch it on her laptop and have the whole thing on her lap. She could do whatever she wants with that thing. Like, give it to me. And my point, the point that I'm illustrating is when I gave her this gift, she not only used it, but it was the first time she had had it, and she had to learn how to use it. And some of you have been confronted with the gift of salvation and Jesus Christ, and you've not learned how to use it. You've not learned how to let it work in your life. And you let it frustrate you because, how do I use it? you got to unpack it. What is it? I don't understand what God's plan is. Unwrap it. That was for somebody. I don't know. That was, that was for What is God trying to do with me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Unwrap it. Take it piece by piece. We allow frustration to set in. And here was Jesus, and he is in this manger, and 
And nobody, no, nobody on earth save the, uh, the, the, the shepherds and the three wise men who would come when he was about two, nobody understood that God had just drawn near. That's, that's crazy because John, James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, if you draw near to God, he draws near to you. But in this instance, God drew near to man so man could draw near to God. Man. So God illustrated first what he desired for you to operate in. God illustrated how to draw near so you could draw near unto him. So is why Jesus said, in order to be saved, you got to be reborn, born again. What was he talking about? He was born again. He was already gone. He put himself in a, in a woman's womb and he was born. Y'all not hearing this today? You ain't never knew that God was born again? He says, in order to be recreated, you got to recreate yourself through the power of God. This is the first thing that Jesus smelled was all these bad smells and all these things. And the first thing he went through was being in the hands of this calloused carpenter. But yet God had performed a miracle. Can I tell you something? That there is a miracle in the midst of the mess if you're willing to work it out. Faith is not something that you can just not do. The Bible says faith without action is dead. You've got to act upon the convictions that God has given you. You've got to act on the word that you have read. You've got to be able to sow it into your heart and into your life and let it operate and unpack the gift of salvation and the gift of the fruits of the spirit and the gift of grace and the power of the God, grace of God and all the things that God has put in you. You've got to unwrap them. Are you with me today? He's God the giver. He's an all-in kind of God. When God gave, he gave everything. Imagine the pressure that Mary uh, was under. Uh, she's pregnant and, and, and all these things and all this pressure she's under. You know, I, I love this song written by a man that I don't know, but I heard it sung a couple of times, and it's called Mary, Did You Know? You ever heard this song? I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'm going to read the lyrics to you. <laughs> it says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? And this child that you've delivered would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storms with his hands? And did you know that your baby boy had walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. I wonder if she knew. It's not easy to know the fullness of God's plan for your life. The song goes on to say, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord over all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? And did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? And the sleeping child you're holding, he is the great I am. What an amazing set of verses and lyrics. Mary, did you know? Colossians 1.19, for in him, 
Talking about Jesus now. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. i got to stop right there. The fullness of God dwelled inside of Christ. It was not just a baby. Don't fall into the lie. It was God in the flesh. He was God. And the Bible says the fullness of God was in him. Verse 20. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile All things, meaning to make, that word reconcile is like the word compatible. To make compatible again. Mac, PC. I need a special program on my Mac to run PC programs. It has to make it compatible. In instant, we were not compatible with God. And so God sought to make man compatible. And he did this through Jesus. Are you with me today? He was reconciling us to him. I love how the scripture says he was reconciling us to him. He was not reconciling me to, or rather him to us. You have to read scripture with an open mind like this because if it said that God was reconciling himself to us, it would mean that he would have to live by my standards and my rules and my compatibility and God would have to accept my sin. But because he reconciled me to himself, he took away my sin. He had a freedom for me. He had grace for me. He had liberty for me. He was reconciling me to him. But some of you are trying to reconcile God to yourself and make God fit into your sin. Try to take the baby Jesus and say, I live by grace. It don't work like that. He reconciles you to him. Because he is perfect. I'll talk later this next week about the preeminence of God. He, beca- he comes before all things. I told my, my small group, my city league last week, that God would never run in a race because he always comes in first. God never has the moment where he says, I have a great idea. Because God always knows all things at once. He's first in everything. Every thought you ever had first came from him. And God is perfect. The attributes of God, the reason why God is perfect and God can't change. You know why God can't change? I've told you this before. God can't change because if God could change, God can get better and God's best. And God can't get better. And some of you are trying to change God, but God says, I'm already the best you can give. What I'm trying to illustrate to you is that he's given you. Let me, let me just brush to this point. I, let me just get to this. Do you realize that when God gave Jesus, he emptied heaven? Do you realize that when God gave Jesus, there was nothing left of worth up there having? Everything was here? Have you ever thought like this, that when God gave Christ, he gave everything? He's an all-in kind of God. He's not like, meet me halfway. He says, I'll come to the mess you're in. He didn't say, hey, you, over there, sinner, come to me. He said, while you were yet still a sinner, I died for you. But while you were yet still a sinner, he was born for you. Because if he had to die for you, let me just, while you were yet still a sinner, I lived for you. That's crazy. He not only was killed for me, but he lived for me. And he not only lived for me, he was born for me and would soon there die for me. I want you to understand today, before you leave this place, that he's an all-in kind of God. 
that when he gives, he gives perfectly. Gifts under the tree have replaced the baby in the manger. Gifts under the tree have replaced the baby in the manger. But the God that I served, he was on the tree. He was not under the tree. You cannot allow all these things around you. You can't allow all the sales and all the Black Friday and all the Christmas gifts to distract you from the time. Why is Jesus the only one to not get a gift on his birthday? Is there a gift under your tree for the Lord? That may sound crazy, but you have to ask yourself. God, when he gives, he gives everything. He gave all of heaven in one shot. Boom, my son. When God, that's giving on E, as he talked about in week one of this series. When God poured out, there was nothing left to pour. His fullness was there. There was nothing left to give. That's extravagant giving. And why is it extravagant giving? Because when he gave everything, he was able to, 1 Corinthians, or rather Colossians, chapter 1, verse 19, he was able to reconcile everything. In order to get everything, he had to give everything. And in order for you to get everything, you got to give everything. You can't hold on to your trivial sins. You can't hold on to your trivial attitudes and your shortcomings. You've got to let the grace of God empower you to change. How do I do that? You accept the gift of God because he's God the giver. There is nothing you could ever need that God has not already granted you the access, hear me now, to apprehend. This is a story in the book of 1 Kings 17, and it's about the prophet Elijah. And the prophet Elijah is a great man of God. He has just been with the whole front ta- um, confrontation on Mount Carmel. He had beat them. Fire came down from heaven. He killed all the evil prophets. And then the Bible says, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And the Bible says that he got scared and ran. And then God followed him, and he said, where are you at? All this stuff, where are you going? What are you doing? Long story short, there's a point in this story where Elijah is laying down, tired. And the Bible says that God made him a piece of bread. This is amazing. God made him a meal. God made him gather the things he would need. God cooked it, however, maybe Miracle Finger. I don't know what he had, George Foreman Grill, whatever he had. God made him a meal. And then, and then God put it by his head. That frustrates me because in my humanity, I said, God, if you're going to cook it, you're going to gather all the ingredients, you're going to make it, feed me. It just makes sense in my mind. Maybe not yours. But when you look at the story, God says this, God says this, God says, Elijah, get up and eat. You just missed it. And that's okay. That's why I pastor. This is fine. God said, get up and eat. Pastor, what are you saying? He said, here's my son. Accept him and change your life. Partake of his body. Partake of his sacrifice. Partake of him. But you want God to spoon feed you Jesus and salvation. This is not how it works. God has done everything for you to be able to apprehend the things he has for you. I love John 3.16. It, it speaks volumes because it says, For God so loved the world that he lent his only begotten son. 
that whosoever heard about him and came to church on Sunday would have everlasting life while they lived in sin. And they would never have to change because God is that great. And never have a guilty moment in their life. That's what that scripture says, right? No, it says, for God so loved the world, he, God's a giver. The Bible says that God desired to give Christ to us before the foundation of the earth were laid. He was a giver before he was actually a creator. And when he created, he gave life. God at his core is not just a lover, he is a giver. Are you getting this? This is the heart of giving is for God so, ooh, why do I give in the offering? I love to give. Why do I help people? I love it. I told my group, we are most like God when we give. Nobody want to hear that part. I don't know about that, Lewis. <laughs> this is, you know, this is getting crazy here. We are most like God when we give of our time to serve, when we give of our finances to bless the house of God, when we give of our lives for the sake of others. For God so loved the world that he gave. I I love how Minister Jose messed me up because he showed me the amplified version of the scripture when I was younger. And it says this, if I can find it in my notes because I haven't been looking at them. It says this, that for God so dearly prized and loved the world that he even gave up his only begotten and very unique son so that whoever believes in, I like the next word, trusts in, because sometimes believing has to go into trusting. I, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, then jump off the cliff if you believe and trust God. Take a step of faith and trust God. And the next one, I love even more. I love this one more. It says, believes in, trust in, clings to. Ooh, that spoke to my heart when I heard that. Because sometimes I just hang on to God and he takes me for a ride. When you really want God, all you have to do is hang on. My, my cousin texted me yesterday about my goddaughter, Amaya. And she's in her terrible twos because she just turned two. But she's been terrible too since she was like one and a half. And the problem is is that she won't let her mom do anything by herself. And her mom had to put her on top of the table, uh, the countertop, in order to let her cook. And when her mom's frying stuff, she's sitting there, on, literally sitting on her leg, wrapped around. You ever sat on daddy's leg and made daddy walk with you? She's doing that. Because she wants her mom that bad. Maybe she's a spoiled brat, whatever, let's not talk about that. And so he, she clings to mommy to a point of never letting go because all she wants is, have you ever been to a place in your life where it's beyond faith and trust, it's just holding on for dear life? Well, God says that whoever clings to his son, when you're hanging on for dear life, when you don't, can't figure things out yourself, when you can't do any of that, and those who rely on him, you shall not perish or come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal life. I love 1 John 3, 1, where he says, what kind of love is this the Father has given us? What kind of love is this that we should be called children of God? What kind of love is this? Can I get you to understand? I love Isaiah 9 verse 6 because it says, and many of you have heard this, it's a prophetic verse of Jesus. It says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Have you ever thought about the fact that the child was born but the son was He's God the giver. 
Mary's body produced the baby, but God gave the deity. God gave. This is the message of Jesus Christ. That for God so loved and dearly prized you in the midst of everything you would endure, in the midst of all that you would do, he loved you so much that he would give. He doesn't say that God loved you so much that he prayed. It doesn't say God loved so much that he did really nice things. No, God loved so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, if you would rely on him and if you would cling to him when all of life storms, if you would just hold on for dear life, can I tell you that every day with Jesus is not a walk in the park. But every day with Jesus is a walk in his will. There'll be good days, there'll be bad days. Can I tell you what Christmas is not about? Christmas is not about the gift you receive, it's about the gift that was given. Christmas is not about what you can afford for your children. Christmas is not about what you can do. Christmas is not about that. Christmas is not about the presents you will open on the morning of Christmas. Christmas is not about the things that will be unwrapped in your household. Christmas is about one thing, and that is about Jesus Christ. And I wish, parents, that this Christmas, before your kids, focus on the the material things that you would sit them down for a good 40 minutes and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, listen, there's no fat man coming down the chimney. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about the grace of God. It's about empowerment. It's about salvation. It's about freedom. And no, Santa did not do this. Mommy and Daddy busted their hump all year long to do this for you. And they only did it because of Jesus. I wish you would tell them about the baby that was in the manger. I wish you would take time to tell them And if you would teach them while they're young, they won't depart from it. We laugh about these pictures on Facebook and Instagram where it talks about kids lying to their parents and the kid says, well, the tooth fairy, Santa Claus, the Easter bunny, that was all a lie. I pray that no parent in this room dares give credit to some fat man the world dreamed up. I pray that you would be honest with your children and tell them, listen, it's about Jesus Christ master of the universe it's about Jesus who gave everything when you were worth nothing but yet he saw you as good as the best now I came here to speak to somebody today who's having trouble accepting this gift of Jesus maybe in small ways and great ways maybe you've accepted salvation but it's just hard for you to unpack it and I want to pray over you today that God empowers you with the grace that is Christ Jesus that he empowers you with the power of God to live the life that you need to live in order in order to fall into the category that whosoever believes in him John 3 16 says for whosoever believes whosoever whosoever is the drug addict whosoever is you whosoever is the person next to you it is the prostitute it is the homosexual it is whoever 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 those who hurt you it is whoever if you're struggling in your faith fix your eyes on the hills on Jesus for which cometh my help and my help comes
from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I got about a week and a half, two weeks left in this year. And I will not fail. I will not falter. I will not find myself New Year's drunk. I will not find myself New Year's at some craziness. I will find myself in the will of God, in the purpose of God, striving for the grace of God. I will find myself in the place he has called me. Some of us, we're in the place God is, but not in the place he's called us to. And because God is everywhere, his omnipresence, we mistake the comfort of God, even in our mistakes, as being in God's will. But God says, no, I need you to walk into my will and stop being so comfortable in sin because I won't leave you even when you're in sin. I wish you would know that I said I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I need you to get in my will. I need to take a step to the left. I need you to get right with me today. I have a gift for all of you today. And his name is Jesus. Would you stand with me today?